When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, it's an early July edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Good to see you again, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovee. I say it like that, Matt. Good to see you again, because we are on video. Are you like me, where you have to decide, like, what should I be wearing for this podcast? Like in radio, I don't really care. I care what I wear to work, but I'm not like you in TV, man. Like you got to know, you got to look good on TV. You got to look sharp. You yeah. put your makeup on radio, yeah. radio, dude, I can roll out of bed. Doesn't matter. Just kind of get on. But because I'm on video with you on this podcast, sometimes I, I get really stressed about it. Full disclosure. I was just on a walk with my daughter and our dog and my wife, and I was in a t-shirt that is sweaty and gross. So I came back in to do the podcast and I just put on this polo that I wore yesterday that has not been washed yet. So it's like not, you wouldn't wear it in public, but on TV, you don't know that it probably just needs to go into the wash so that's Did what i'm wear wearing right now or anything like that oh no it wasn't like anything gross or anything it's like totally fine i could absolutely wear it out i just had it on and then you know how like you just like set it to the side and then oh. you're getting ready to do the oh. wash it was sitting there and i was like this is much better than the sweaty t-shirt so i'm gonna wear this polo that has little seashells on it <laughs> well first of all um i will tell you my wife makes fun of me because I change clothes more than any human being on earth. I will go through three outfits in a day usually. Um, oh my gosh. I'm the exact opposite. Oh yeah. I do that all the time. I'll wake up in the morning, just throw something on maybe from the day before because I just want to get up. I want to have my coffee, whatever. And then I'll basically throw something on to feel more comfortable to do my radio show from studio Capaccio, or I'll go into work, you know, after a shower, things like that, I'll come home. I'll feel like I need something a little bit different. Maybe I'm playing golf. Maybe I'm going out somewhere. I feel like I need a different set of clothes and that might have a little league game. And then after, after the little league game, I might feel, I am always changing clothes. Do you shower a lot during the day? Nope. Like a- uh, maybe twice, but once in the morning. And then usually it just and on a need to basis. If I did something where I'm sweaty, I will shower. So yeah, I mean, it's shorts, it's t-shirt. I, I try mm-hmm. to, on this particular video cast, like I, I try to wear something kind of cool or hip that someone might notice. So just want to give a shout out to Del Reed at 26 Shirts. Got the Victory Monday shirt they've been having for a while now. I think this came out like a couple of years ago. There you go. I'll put it up. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. So um had to give a shout out to Del Reed. They had a um, sale over there, but I like to kind of promote. Hey man, send shirts. You know, people want us to wear shirts. I'll wear a shirt on, on the, uh, on the video cast here, but yeah, I don't know why it's just something I, my wife's like, yep, there he goes. Changing clothes again. I tell her all the time, like, wow, we have more laundry than anybody. She's like, that's because you change clothes like three times a day and you throw everything right in the laundry. How often do you do laundry? 
Ooh, pretty often. I mean, this time of year with a son who plays a lot of sports, uh-huh. I got to make sure his uniforms are clean. Pretty much every other day, I would say I'm doing a little. Okay. Okay. I would say that right now, specifically, so my wife does most of the laundry for Ellie. So right now it's just pretty much doing my laundry. I would say I'm probably every three to four days, the rotation okay. that I'm on. But, you know, Ellie wears onesies during the day mm-hmm. and then she wears little short sleeve onesies at night. So it's not like we have to do something for her every second of every day either. So, yeah, I'm in like a kind of easy routine, I guess, as far as long. I also don't mind laundry. I know a lot of people really, really hate laundry. I just throw it in, go do something for 45 minutes and then go take it out. It's really not that complicated. I usually put it on the quick wash cycle. doesn't take that long. And then, you know, throw it in the, and I don't care about separating the colors. I know you maybe should, but really this day and age, the way detergents made, you don't have to worry about that. Do you mix whites with colors? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Oh, I don't, I don't do that. I won't do that. Ooh. I don't know why. For Sometimes some reason, you can towel separately, but that's only because of the, the the material and the lint and stuff. But that's about it. Does your dryer sing like a cool little song when it's done? Do you have the Samsung yeah. one that makes that little noise when you're done? Something like that, right? Uh, mine's mine's a little bit different, but yeah, no, it's you can hear it from all over the house, and you're like, okay, well, it's gonna go. It's go time. I love it. I love it. Well. I, yeah, and I am the laundry person in our house, so I will do it. And I, I'll fold the laundry. My, my wife will say to me, well, can you fold the laundry? Yes, I will fold the laundry. She does so much anyway. I'm like, that's that's kind of my contribution to the household to at, fold the laundry. As a former employee at the Niagara Falls Fashion Outlet Mall for four yes. years at both the Gap Outlet and Nike Outlet, I think I fold clothes exceptionally well and efficiently. I take pride in that. Like you hand oh. me hand me a graphic tee, a Love pair it. of pants, a polo, muscle memory, baby couple tuck in the okay. shoulder, tuck in the elbows, you know, the little, the shoulders, blah, blah, blah. Just boom. I got to ask you then. All right. Because so I fold Max's shirts. Mm-hmm. I just fold them right in half. And then I take the two sleeves that are together, fold that and just flip everything up. When I do my shirts though, I take the two sleeves, fold them in. And then I take the, the body, fold that all in. And then I fold it up twice. So what I would do is I would take, like if I was wearing a t-shirt or a polo or something, I would fold the sleeves backwards and and I would flip it over once. And then depending on what it is, I might do one more flip. So like for a polo, what I would do is I would do two flips. So basically when you put it into the drawer, well, I guess with a polo, I would hang it probably, but you would have basically the collar and then like the upper part, right? Like this part folded and then everything else would be folded behind it. Wow, you come here for Bill's talk and you get laundry and folding techniques from yeah. Sal and Matt here, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks yeah. for coming aboard. The uh, numbers have been great. We want to thank everybody. It's the off season. We're still getting a great response. A lot of new listeners, a lot of new watchers, of course. iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app on YouTube at Sal Sports on the YouTube page. So make sure you check that out. Really, really thankful for all of you who've come aboard. And some of you are just finding us for the first time. We're going to keep this thing going, of course, into the regular season. A lot more to get to. It is the off season. Speaking of laundry, the Bills have a lot of new laundry coming in this year to do these numbers, right? How about that segue? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's rookie time. Let's talk rookies because yep. I've been kind of thinking a lot about this rookie class that they've brought in and how much of an impact some of these guys can make. So what I wanted to kick around with you today, Matt, was the rookie class and where we see each guy falling. Yeah. Because I do think, right, hasn't it 
hasn't it really kind of felt like the Bills just haven't used their rookie class a lot the last couple of years, especially yes. last year? There's been a lot of talk about that. But I think, I've always said, that's more of a circumstance of where the team is, not some overarching philosophy of the organization. Yeah, it's probably because this team has been in a win-now mode for yep. the last several seasons. So the rookies that they've drafted have not been utilized to the level that I think they should be utilized. Part of that is because the Bills are good. Part of that is, I think, because of the coaching staff. One of the things we saw with the Chiefs last year was their rookie class immediately came in and made an impact, especially in that Super Bowl game. It felt like every big play, besides Mahomes and Kelsey, was coming from a rookie. And you're sitting there wondering, why wasn't Kyrie Elam on the field more? Why wasn't James Cook utilized more? Why aren't these guys playing even though they used premium draft picks to get them? Because it's very different than the last couple of years. Josh Allen is, you know, his own thing. Greg Rousseau came in right away and was playing a big chunk of snaps. Dawson Knox, Gabe Davis, those guys came in. They made immediate impacts. Kyrie Elam, the verdict's still out. We don't know what that guy's going to do. We don't even know if he's going to start this year. James Cook. I think he's the favorite to be the starting running back this year, but I won't be entirely shocked if Damian Harris or even Latavius Murray takes up a bigger chunk of that workload than we think we're going to get. And I think that that might extend into their rookie class for this season. All that being said, though, I think Dalton Kincaid is going to get a lot more run and a lot more play than Elam did. Mm -hmm. Not that Rousseau did because it's different, but I think Dalton Kincaid's going to be on the field a lot for this team. I agree with you. I think that he is going to get a lot of targets. He's going to be utilized a lot. I've said several times here and on Aaron WGR, there's no way to me the Bills make the kind of investment they did in a tight end in the first round and then not utilize him to their fullest extent. I don't think this is a pick that, oh yeah, we really like the guy and he's going to help us a couple years from now. I think this is a pick that they really had a specific need and a want more than anything for and say, we want to do this, this personnel usage. We want to go to this. They're going to do that. So let's start with Dalton Kincaid. Here's what I want to ask you for each of these draft picks the Bills had this year. We're going to separate them into four different categories. All yep. right. Starter backup inactive on game day, meaning they make the roster, but they're probably not getting a Jersey unless someone else gets injured. Yep. Doesn't make the 53. And that yep. could mean anything, right? Which is they get waived and resigned to the practice squad. They get traded, whatever. You know, I mean, just doesn't make the 53, probably practice squad bound. We'll see. Um, for backup, I mean, obviously active on game day, just not a normal starter, probably gets some play at some point, you know, around. And this is just in general. Obviously, there's a lot of nuance here. Anything mm -hmm. can happen with guys getting injured. And then all of a sudden that changes. But for the general feeling of what these players are, let's start with their first round pick. Dalton Kincaid, who they traded up a couple of spots to grab. Starter, backup, inactive on game day, or doesn't make the 53? Starter. Now, it's a tight end. So they're going to – it's like starter sort of because he's going to be on the field a lot. I don't know if he's going to outsnap Dawson Knox. So I guess it depends on how you look at it. But for the sake of the argument, I will say starter. I want to give a shout-out to Joe Marino. You know, you've done stuff with Joe in the past. Lockdown Bills does a great job. So he actually tweeted this on Sunday, and I thought it was relevant for the conversation that we were going to have today. He broke down – did you see this tweet about all of the vacated targets the Bills have for this upcoming season? I did come across it. I didn't dissect it, but I did see it. 
So basically, there's 192 available targets for the Bills going into the season, and based he breaks years based, based on last year's number of passes, based on the players that have left, and then he included 35 targets for the game that did not happen against the Bengals, which is totally justified. So 192 targets. Those have to go somewhere. I think the biggest chunk of those will be going to Dalton Kincaid. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be close between Kincaid and probably Deontay Hardy. I would think those are the two guys who pick up the most of those, let's say, 200 targets that the Bills are going to have this year that are available. I don't know what that number is, but I think it certainly puts him in the starter category because I don't think it's unrealistic for Dalton Kincaid to get 70 targets. I think that's fair. 100%. Um He'll he'll be that involved in more, I believe. I agree with you. 70 is a lot for a rookie tight end. That's a lot. Yeah, the the record for receptions for a Bills rookie tight end. You know what it is? 40. I have to go look now because I tweeted this out not long ago. I believe it's only 36. Was it Dawson? No, Dawson actually had like 28 his rookie year. He was second on the list, but he has the most in like 20 years. That makes but, sense. It's amazing, right? Like very rookies, Dalton Kincaid should break the Bills' rookie tight end reception record, right? I mean, yeah. it's I'm going to look it up now. Just uh, you can talk, but I think it's yeah. 36. I tweeted about this. I also think too, when you look at Dalton Kincaid, we spent so much time earlier in the off season talking about what the Bills ultimately needed to do to make themselves more competitive. And Odell Beckham's name was thrown around. DeAndre Hopkins' name was thrown thrown around. Drafting a wide receiver in the first round was thrown around. And then the Bills, I don't want to say surprised all of us, but they did something that was a little unconventional, and they used their first-round pick on a tight end. You're not going to do that in the position that you're currently in as a long-term projection. You were doing that to be a weapon for your offense, and I know a lot has been made of the whole weapon for the offense thing. People roll their eyes at it, but I really do think Dalton Kincaid is a pick, not just for the future, but also a pick to make them more dynamic right now. You already have Dawson Knox. You have Dawson Knox on a contract extension. You're making this pick because you think it gives your offense a new layer that you have not had, and you think it does that immediately. There's no way. I know Bean says all the time, we don't draft for need. We draft best player available. I believe that, but there is no way, given the Bills' current roster and the window that they are in, that they are not drafting a player that they believe can make an immediate impact. And I think that also ties back to the Kyir Elam stuff last year. It's concerning that he wasn't able to get more on the like more involved. I think he will this year, but that remains a big question. Sorry, that's a sidebar though. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're, you're right. It, it's a it's a really good question. I was right on the numbers. 36 is the rookie tight end receiving record for the Bills for receptions. And that was set in 1983 by Tony Hunter, who they drafted the same year as they drafted Jim Kelly. They took Hunter first and Kelly later in the first round. And then the second most ever is 35, way back in the AFL days, 1962 by Ernie Warlick. And then you have Dawson Knox at 28. And Dawson had 50 targets that rookie season. I remember the scene from that 30 for 30 with all the quarterbacks getting drafted in the 83 draft and Jim Kelly saying that he didn't want to go to Buffalo. And when they drafted the tight end at 12, he was relieved because he kind of was like, okay, I'm not going to Buffalo. And then I guess his agent told him like, hey, they're up again in two picks. And then they ultimately took Jim Kelly. Why was it? Was it, was it because the Bills were okay with either Kelly or Marino? 
I think that's right. I think the way the board was falling, they knew that they could basically get one of the quarterbacks they really liked, and they really wanted a tight end. They liked Tony Hunter. He was a very good tight end on a Notre Dame. Uh, he didn't have much of an NFL career. He was eventually traded for Vince Ferragamo, actually, who came over to play quarterback for the Bills when they ultimately didn't sign Jim Kelly, obviously, who went to the um, USFL. So Dalton Kincaid has a chance here, I think, to break the Bills' rookie tight end record. And whether he actually steps foot on the field for the first snap to be a starter, quote, unquote, mm -hmm. To me, he's a starter, and I agree with you. Let's go to their second-round pick, Osiris Torrance. I'm going to start with this one. I'll say backup. I think he's clearly on the roster. I don't think he starts. I know there's a thought out there he could start over Ryan Bates or even Connor McGovern. I don't see that happening. I don't see it. I see Osiris Torrance as a backup swing guard or maybe just slotting in at one of the spots. I agree with you that I think he will be a backup, but I think he'll end up starting games. And that's not to say that Connor McGovern won't be as good as he is supposed to be or that Ryan Bates is going to slip. It's just injuries happen every single year, especially with the interior offensive line. And that doesn't just cover the guards. It also covers Morse because my guess would be if Morse got injured, they would move Bates over to center right. and then they would put in Osiris Torrance. Now having Ike Butker back gives them a little bit more flexibility. I do agree with you that I think for the majority of the games, he will probably be a backup, but I think long-term there is potential for him to be a starter sooner rather than later. I, I almost am assuming that he is going to be an every down starter next season because, because I think at this point, Mm -hmm. You don't know what Mitch Morris is going to do. And I mm -hmm. think you would probably feel comfortable enough because of the Ryan Bates contract to move him over to center and then move Osiris Torrance to the opposite guard from Connor McGovern. So that's what I think happens long-term short-term though. He'll start the season as a backup. Yeah, that feels right. And if Osiris Torrance did start at guard, well, it's one of two things either. Oh my God, he was amazing in camp. And by the way, he was a terrific lineman in the mm -hmm. sec, obviously for Florida, or the other thing is, boy, they kind of swung and miss on Connor McGovern or Ryan Bates hasn't lived up to the contract or obviously an injury could happen to one of them or Mitch Morse. But I don't like any of those options. So if he does start, I hope it's only because obviously he shows them that much. But I don't I, I get the feeling that of all the spots on the board, that would be a position the Bills aren't eager to put a guy in the starting lineup as a rookie anyway. No, and I just think, too, it also speaks to the conversation that we're having about how improved the depth is, especially at the offensive line for the Bills. I mean, look at your right now, your projected starters are Dawkins, McGovern, Morris Bates, Spencer Brown, okay? Nobody would really argue that. Their next level of backups, you've got Brandon Shell, who I believe started 12 games last year, Osiris Torrance, who is a second-round pick, Greg Mance, David Edwards, David Questenberry, and then you go to the next level of guys like Tommy Doyle, Nick Broker, and Ike Butker, and we'll talk about Broker more in a little bit, but mm -hmm. those are a lot of names and a yep. lot of people who I think you would feel comfortable with, not starting every week, but starting in a pinch if you had to, and I think of all the guys I mentioned, I know they all play different positions, but you take the top five, Osiris Torrance is six. Like he is next man up. Yeah, I feel like they've really improved the depth of their offensive line. And, you know, that's a good thing, obviously. Osiris Torrance, to me, a guy that probably will play in the NFL for quite a while. His time probably isn't quite yet for the Buffalo Bills, a team that has a, a very good team, a good roster that's in a win-now mode. All right, the next three are going to be really interesting. I mean, we have four left to go, but I, I think we could go a different number of ways on the next three. So let's do starter, backup, inactive on game day, or doesn't make the 53 more rookies on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So now we get to the third round pick, Dorian Williams. This is where I think we might have a different opinion. So we both Mm -hmm. said Dalton Kincaid, starter, Osiris Torrance, backup. What would you say for Dorian Williams, the linebacker from Tulane? Okay, this is between the second and third option for me. I do not think he's starting. Right now, I think Tyrell Dodson has the inside track, and I think Terrell Bernard might even be ahead of him. But I think they like him enough to play him, and he is going to play special teams. So to me, that means he's a backup. I can't see him inactive. I'm going to say backup. I'm going to say starter. Woohoo! I love it. I'm going to say starter. I don't know why. I, I We haven't seen enough of him to base this oh. off of anything. It's just a weird hunch. It's when Brandon Bean drafted him and then came out to us and said, we're going to start him outside. And then the next day it was like, well, actually, maybe not. I wonder if they, I don't want to say talk to themselves into having a bigger role for this guy, because I just said 10 minutes ago about how they're very, very slow to incorporate their rookies. Yeah. I just, for some reason, think that they're going, It's he is certainly not Tremaine Edmonds. I know that. But I wonder if they see the mold and they go, well, that's the guy that's the closest to kind of filling that gap. And we're just going to let him go make plays next to Matt Milano. I don't think I know most people will say that linebacker is their biggest question for the season. I won't argue with you if you believe that. I just think it's a little overblown. I think Tremaine Edmonds was a really good player. I think they're going to miss him, but I think schematically they will be able to do enough where it really doesn't hurt them. And that's one of the reasons why I think they might kind of take a flyer on Dorian Williams. Yeah. I mean, I like what you're saying because let me ask it this way. Rank to me the, 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 the top four most important positions on a, on an NFL football team to you. To me, it would be quarterback one, Mm-hmm. quarterback two, quarterback three, quarterback <laughs> four. It would be quarterback one. Not even in, it doesn't have to be in order. Just give me the top four. Quarterback, left tackle, cornerback, and then I would probably say edge rusher. 100% agree on those four. We didn't say middle linebacker. No. See, what you're saying is right, I think, because of it's not a Dorian Williams point, it's position point, right? Which mm-hmm. is you can get by, you don't, you can get by with a rookie. You can let him. Could you get hurt? Absolutely. The Bills got hurt in that Jets game by not having Matt Milano and putting Terrell Bernard in. That mm-hmm. happened. It wasn't the sole reason they lost the game. They couldn't score points on offense, of course, yeah. right? They got, but we saw that they got hurt. But there is a big, big difference here, Matt. If you had to start a rookie that's unknown, at let's say Deion Dawkins walked in free agency the way that Tremaine Edmonds did, 
and we had the exact same situation playing out of in the linebacker. Way different. Yes. At left tackle or an edge rusher, which they've been searching for an edge rusher. Totally different than middle linebacker. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it also speaks to these guys are so early in their careers. So I'm not trying to like provide extra criticism or bury anybody. There was nothing that Terrell Bernard did last year that makes me think like he's got an inside track at the starting job. Tyrell Dodson's a little different. This is a very similar conversation with Tyrell Dodson in my mind to the conversation we had about Dane Jackson a couple weeks ago and you believing that he will start opposite Trey White. To me, Tyrell Dodson is the guy they know. I think it's the guy they trust. I also don't think the upside matches what you will have with somebody like Dorian Williams. And when you're playing next to Matt Milano, I think you can be a little bit more risky. I think you can roll the dice a bit more because you know at least one of your guys is going to be taking care of everything. Mm-hmm. Use one of those young guys. If I, if memory serves me correct, I think Tyrell Dotson's here on a one-year deal. So we don't know what the future looks like for Tyrell Dotson here in Buffalo. He's been on a one-year deal since the end of the league, basically. But yes, you're right. It is. It's like basically every year is a, hey, we like you. We want you back. You got to prove yourself and you can play. You can be a backup, whatever. It's the same situation every year with him and again this year. Yeah, so I, I don't know what it is. I could be so off base and we won't know. We, we probably won't even know in training camp because it's such a weird position to try and keep an eye on. I think it's one of those things we talked about the last episode. I bet Terrell Bernard starts a preseason game. I bet Tyrell Dodson starts a preseason game. I bet Dorian Williams starts a preseason game. We might not know until 8-15 on Monday, <laughs> September 11th, who's starting at middle linebacker for the Bills. It felt like that last year with cornerback a little bit. All right, before we move on to the next one, by the way, so our our, our last stance on that was, I say backup for Dorian Williams. Matt says starter for Dorian Williams. Before I get to the next one, you just brought, brought up September 11th in New York. That's the Bills' Monday night game against the Jets. I just came back from New York City. Yeah. Uh, family, we like to go there every year. We like to try and take in a Yankees game. It happened to be two Yankees games this year, July 4th. Cool, cool experience going to the 4th of July Yankees game just to be there and say, you're at Yankee Stadium on the 4th of July. The rendition yeah. of, you know, um, they always do um, God Bless America in the seventh inning stretch before taking me out to the ball game. It was amazing just to be there. No fireworks. There was a day game. They don't really do that. Um, but that was cool. What I do want to tell you, though, is, Man, they have Jets fever in New York, Matt. I mean, I am looking at Aaron Rodgers jerseys everywhere in New York, and he's everywhere you turn. They're talking about the Jets, you know, and, and you make conversation with people and, oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, we came from Buffalo. Oh, yeah, big Bills fans. I'm like, I'm actually one of the Bills radio announcers. Oh, my God, really? Oh, boy, Bills, what do you think about the Jets? It's always it's not. Oh, yeah, they, they might. They'll give you a comment about the Bills. Then they'll say, what do you think about the Jets? Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. I mean, they're the off-season darling, right? Uh-huh. They're the team that's getting more love, more shine than any other team probably in the NFL for the addition of Aaron Rodgers. Totally makes sense. I think it's a bit overblown. I think the Jets are going to be a good team. I think they are a very legitimate contender to make the playoffs. I don't think they're better than the Bills. I don't think they're better than the Dolphins. I right. still think they're the third best team in the division. I could be completely wrong. But I think for them to be the best team in the division, Aaron Rodgers has to be MVP Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to get to that. I think he's going to be so, so, so much better than what they had. But I still don't know if it's going to be enough to catapult them over the Bills and over the Dolphins. And by the way, that's not to take any love away from the Giants who are getting their own anyway. 
A lot of love for the Giants right now in New York City. They're feeling very good about their football teams. Not as much about their baseball teams the way they played lately, but they're feeling very good about their football teams. That said, do you like New York City? Do you like to go? We love it. We love walking New York City. I like being in New York City for a couple days, and then I've had enough. New York City, I think, is a great place for me to visit. I think it would overwhelm me trying to live there, trying to operate day-to-day there. I think it's a fantastic place to go to for two, three, four days. I love New York during the holidays. I think New York during Christmas time is such a cool place to be. I like that we're going this year right at the beginning of the season. I think it's a very big stage to start the season on. I really do. I think for the last couple of years, the Bills have had these like grandiose ways of starting the season. This year, it's Monday Night Football against Aaron Rodgers. It's the game that everybody wants to see last year obviously starting the season yeah I, I like new york city it's not my favorite place to go but i certainly enjoy it i think we are spoiled in the afc east with the travel schedule that we get every year because new york is awesome i love boston and then miami is miami we love Boston as well. We love walking Boston. Shh, you're not supposed to say you love Boston when you're a Buffalo sports fan, right? I mean, but seriously, as much as I grew up despising Boston sports teams, the Bruins, the Patriots, yeah, the, the Red Sox, incredible. city is amazing. It's a great walkable city. New York is as well. Um, yeah, I, I could spend a lot of time in both cities. I will tell you, though, I don't know if you've ever had this experience before we get to our next draft pick. We stayed. We always stay right in the heart. We stayed near Times Square, like we oh, always yeah. do. And at 1.45 a.m., the fire alarm went off in our hotel. There was a small electrical fire on the second floor, and we had to evacuate in the middle of New York City, Times Square at 2.15 in the morning. Yeah, that's a pain in the butt. Nothing like that has ever happened to me. I'm glad it has never happened to me. That stinks. Let me ask you you this. But but you make the best of it. So know what we did? I'm like, Max, my wife and Max are both there. I'm like, it's 2.30 in the morning. We're in Times Square. Let's go get a slice of pizza. That's what we did. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. That's really cool. Was it any good? Or was it just crappy Times Square pizza? That was great. Pizza? That was great. Uh, the pizza's always good. It's, they have these sides. 99 cents pizza. 99 cent pizza. Bam. You get it, two slices in a in a can. Two slices of cheese and a can of pop for three bucks. Or two slices of pepperoni and a can of pop for five bucks. I mean, come on. Yeah, but that pizza, the 99 cent pizza is usually pretty terrible. Usually. I, I, I didn't mind it at all. I just want you okay. to. Maybe it's because of the situation we're in. A side tangent real quick. Yeah. Is the a so I think I don't want to speak for other people when we get the schedule, we are looking at where are we going this year? What cities are we going to? I'm always looking at where's my favorite place to go. I would imagine this isn't I I am born and raised in Western New York. I would imagine Buffalo is very low on the list for beat reporters and people around the NFL when they say, oh, they're going to Buffalo. That has nothing to do with the game. I think people probably just don't get excited for Buffalo like they get for some other places. Is the AFC East still, though, the best travel division in the league? Mm, no, I think the NFC West would be. Seattle. That was the, that was the LA, other one I was thinking. San Francisco. Arizona. Arizona? Yeah. I mean, you could even throw that one on the back burner. But, Matt, I actually disagree. I think from, from the reporters that I've talked to and spent time with and interviewing and have my show – they actually really like coming to Buffalo. What they don't like is coming to Buffalo in December. January. Yeah, that's but true. They do really like coming to Buffalo and they get excited. They want to come. They love the food. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. I've, we, yeah. you know, you meet so many people who work around the industry, who work in different markets, who cover different teams. You can show anybody an incredible time in Buffalo for 48 oh, yeah. hours. You can go and right. do some awesome stuff and eat some amazing food. It's the, Oh no, 
we play the Bills in December. Like, we got to go deal with that. But uh, from an actual, and also from a game experience standpoint, it is significantly better than a lot of other places in the National Football League. Just because the vibe is great. A lot of people walk into it for the first time and they're like, oh my goodness. (laughs) I I remember talking to the guys from the Bengals, from the Cincinnati station that we have in Cincinnati for the playoff game. And they got here Wednesday or something. And they were like, this is crazy. They're like, this vibe is unbelievable. Yeah. Like I was like, every week, guys, every week. It is like nothing else in the NFL. Let's get to the next draft pick. We're saying starter, backup, inactive on game day, meaning he makes the roster but generally doesn't dress or doesn't make the 53. They didn't have a fourth-round pick. They did have a fifth-round pick. Justin Shorter, the wide receiver out of Florida. Your turn. What do you think? Go first. I think backup. I think I was leaning towards inactive on game day. But I think he has a role on special teams. So I'm going to say backup for right now, teetering between the two of them. And I'll lean a little bit towards backup because I could see him maybe sneaking his way on for some special team snaps. I like your thoughts. I'm the same boat, just like I was for Dorian Williams, leaning one way or the other. It's between the two. But I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to say inactive on game day. I just don't think there's enough numbers at the wide receiver position to justify him. Now, you could tell me heat, but sell. And this is, I've said this. He's your replacement for Jay Kumaro. He's your gunner on punt team. Totally fair. Totally fine. He gets a Jersey. Even Brandon Bean said, we think this kid can get a Jersey. That's why we drafted him. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I don't know if you can really have those numbers. So I'm going to say inactive on game day. It feels a little to me like the Khalil Shakir situation of last year. Khalil wasn't a special teams player necessarily. Mm-hmm. But remember opening night, your fifth round pick wide receiver did not dress. And I feel like this is the same with Justin Shorter. And then it's going to be, let's see where this goes with him along the way. Yeah, that's probably right. I think I've seen a couple of people say out there that they think Justin Shorter is going to make an immediate impact. Maybe he will. I, I don't see that happening. I think Justin Shorter is going to be utilized very little offensively. I think if he's on the field this year, most of the time it's going to be for a special teams role. Mm-hmm. I mean, we go back to that thing 192 targets of the 192 targets. What does Justin Shorter make of that? 15? Yeah. Is that too, ma- is that too much? Too many. Yeah. That might be too many. So he, he it's, it's, it is strictly special teams. And look, they don't have to keep a Taiwan Jones this year. He's not on the team. So yeah. you could take a guy from another position that could be Justin Shorter. So I agree with you about all that, but you still have to have the numbers work out. And if you're looking at wide receiver, there's just, you're going to, you're going to dress seven on game day. I don't know if he can do that, right? So I think it's going to be tough because look at the wide receiver group right now. You have six wide receivers you know are going to play, right? Well, I guess mm-hmm. five. So let's just walk through it. Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir is going to play, right? He's not going to be inactive again. Yeah. Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy. So that's five. You could get to six. That could be your sixth, I guess. Um, I'm not missing anybody, am I? I don't think I don't so. Believe, I don't believe so. No, I think you hit all of them. Well, DeAndre Hopkins, you didn't mention him. <laughs> I did not mention DeAndre Hopkins. By the way, he was not at Bill's OTAs either or no. any of the mini camps. Um, I'm looking now. Desmond Patton would be next on the list. But I guess the reason why I would count is because I'm thinking of Dalton Kincaid like a wide receiver here and how you're going to formulate the roster. So that's why I think that it's it's an uphill battle for him to be active on game day. So I'm going to say inactive on game day. See, I'm almost thinking the opposite because I think you could get away with having two tight ends active pretty frequently with Kincaid and with Knox. And then you might give yourself a little bit. They also have to figure out running back. Is Latavius Murray on this team? Because every single week you're going to have 
James Cook active, Damian Harris active, and Naheem's, Naheem Hines active, at least I would imagine. So then, yep. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, and the, it's hey, look, DB, I mean, there's a lot of decisions that may be made there, and we'll get to one of those in just a minute. We got two draft picks left from the Bills draft class and where we think they're going to fit. All right, Matt, the next one is Nick Broker. Offensive lineman. The Bills did a lot of work on their offensive line this offseason. Nick Broker gets drafted in the seventh round, their first of two seventh round picks out of Ole Miss. Yep. Is he a starter? Is he a backup? Is he inactive or does he not make the 53? Doesn't make the 53. I think this team is too good to just assume that draft picks make the team. That has not been the case for several years now. I don't think he will have any sort of trade value out there, so it's not like they could bring this guy to camp and then ultimately trade him for a pick down the road. This isn't like, you know, obviously a Wyatt Teller situation or anything like that. So to me, I think he's probably a guy that you're able to get on your practice squad let develop for a year and then circle back next year to see how he has progressed. And if he's ready to take that next step, I I'm honestly thinking that for pretty much every seventh round pick for the next five or six years with this, team. probably right. I agree completely. I don't think he makes the team. I think there are just too many bodies ahead of him and too many reasons to have older veteran players. And think about it. If you keep him, you're keeping two rookies, at offensive line, out to rookie offensive lineman on the 53. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a bit risky just in itself to say, you know, as your depth, you're going with a couple of different rookies because Osiris Torrance is going to make the team. I mean, think about the names in front of him. Tommy Doyle, or he's competing with. Tommy Doyle, Ike Butker. I mean, Osiris Torrance is right there. David Questenberry, David Edwards, Greg Mance, Brandon Shell. Then you have guys that have been on the team already. Alec Anderson actually was elevated for a game last year. Ryan Vandemark, they claimed off waivers from the Colts last year. I mean, to me, it's just too many people in front of him to justify another rookie. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you're spot on. All right, let's go to Alex Austin. I think we'd both be in the same boat here. To me, this would be the, obviously, is the last pick, but the, the lowest chance of anyone to make the roster, I don't have him making it. I had to Google what their last draft pick was. I feel I don't know if I don't know if it's just been that long or if I've got like dad brain right now, but I was sitting there and going, it was a cornerback from Oregon State, but I do not remember his name. So then I looked it up and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the guy. So honestly, though, six out of seven, remembering six yeah. out of seven is not terrible. No, that's right. Alex 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 Austin is his name, and I don't think there's any way that he makes it unless there's several injuries that force the Bills to say, "Hey, you know, we got to keep this kid on the team." All right, I just so- want to do. I just want to say though, yeah, if we would have had this conversation last year at this same time. We would have probably said the exact same thing about Christian Benford. So you never know. Probably right. And then he started opening night. That's now that what I'm we saying. Did know, we did know. The situation with Tredavious White, but I still agree with you. It would have been a okay, Riley, is this kid really going to make the team type of uh-huh. situation? He obviously made it and he wound up being a starter. All right, before the show started at Sal Sports at Matt underscore Bove. Why, by the way, why do you have the underscore? Is there is, the, is Matt Bove taken? Yeah, Matt Bove was taken years and uh-huh. years and years ago. I think I made my Twitter in 2011. I made my Twitter strictly to follow the NHL trade deadline. That is why my Twitter exists. And then you know, you get into the job that you have and obviously you start to use it more and more. Are you on threads? Have you made a threads account yet? I have made threads. I tweeted today about threads and here's, this is a, it's actually something I wrote down. I was going to have 
a conversation with you about today. And I said, this could actually be way bigger of a conversation. So we don't have enough time. But my mm -hmm. general feeling is this, Matt. I, I like Twitter. I don't want to leave Twitter. I don't get all involved in the, who owns it, what it means to people, but I respect everyone else who do, who does. I totally get it. Like if that's not your thing, you want to make a statement because someone owns it or someone bought it or however this is all going, that's totally fine. I just know I want my stuff to be read by an audience that needs to find me. So if that yeah. means I need to go to threads, I'm going to have to do that. I hate having to create more social media accounts, but if that's what it takes, then that's what I'll do. I'm there, but I'm only there to make sure that I can still put some stuff there while I'm staying at Twitter as long as I can. Yeah, I agree with you. I think for the sake of just continuity, I think for the sake of an audience base that is built for both of us, I don't want to see Twitter vanish. I don't want to see Twitter phased out. But at the same time, you need to be accessible where people are. That's so right. if that means we have to have another social media channel, then so be it. We have to have another social media channel. That is part of the job. For us, it is a vehicle to get information to the people that follow us, the people that listen to us, read us, and watch us. And that's why I think it is really important. It's fascinating because it is something there, there are so many layers to this conversation. So many layers. So yeah, I made a Threads account. I think I don't know if it was the day it started, maybe the next day it started. It was really easy because it's partnered yeah. with Facebook and Instagram. So I just logged in and all of the stuff was already there. It's the same username for my Twitter, for my Instagram, for my Facebook. For It's good. Average. I was just going to ask you that. It's all Matt underscore Bove, right? All Matt underscore Bove, which is a pain in the butt because the underscore throws yeah. some people off. Sometimes they don't know how to do it. But I think that there is something to be said about continuity across all of them. So I was like, you know what? I just want to keep this because I probably could have gotten something different on threads, but I didn't want to even try and navigate that. Like I didn't want to be Matt Bove on one Matt underscore Bove on one or anything like that. No. And I'm lucky. I got Sal sports. I got it pretty early on on Twitter and uh -huh. um, you know, it's a pretty easy username and it fits me really well. So got that there. And then I got an Instagram, which obviously it works on threads and I have a, a Sal sports Facebook fan page as well, where I post you know articles and things like that, that I link people to and news and um, obviously, Sal Sports on YouTube, which actually changed to Sal Sports. It wasn't taken. So I actually changed that recently to, to show this show. It's always game day in Buffalo. So here's some questions. I got one from Mark. <clears throat> Sorry. First of all, Mark says, Matt, he hopes your dad is doing well. Just wanted thank, to give you the show. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Also, you know, shout out to everybody who has reached out. You know, we are hopeful you know we are certainly not out of the woods but we are trending in the right direction so we were just hoping and praying for continued progress but you know a couple couple people have messaged me somebody sent me a message and was like hey i want to venmo you for some coffees at the hospital like the generosity is Ben. It's just so nice you know certainly nobody do that i appreciate the offer <laughs> nobody has to do that so yeah it was just it's it's been really really cool to see the support and he appreciates it too because he needs to be you know lifted a little bit right now. It's been a really rough month. So I, I think he appreciates all the people reaching out because it shows that, you know, people are thinking about him as well. Mark, uh, he asks a specific question for you growing up in the Niagara Wheatfield area. Yeah. Did a young Matt Bove ever dine at Shim Shack's restaurant and see yeah. Toronto from Lake Ontario? He <laughs> yeah. said, I could never see it. Always thought that claim was bogus. Uh, yes. I've been to Shim Shack's. Uh, no, the claim is not bogus. I oh. can tell you that every single time, I drive to the golf course that I play at, which is Niagara Frontier. It's up in Youngstown. I drive down Lewiston Hill, and on a clear day, you can 
no questions asked, see the Toronto skyline perfectly. You can also see the Toronto skyline from the par three at Niagara Falls Country Club. I believe it is the 16th hole from the green. There's like a little gap in the trees and you can look out and you can see the Toronto skyline. I also had a job as a camp counselor for the town of Cambria, which is a small little town up in Niagara County. And every Tuesday we had field trips to uh, Fort Niagara for swim days. And you can see from Fort Niagara, this skyline of Toronto Uh really clear, like, like you can make out the built and make out the buildings and stuff. So it is kind of cool to be driving 15 minutes from where I live and be, you know, going down the hill and seeing the tower and everything and being like, wow, like (laughs) the blue Jays are playing right now or something like that. I mean, if you go to Niagara Falls Country Club and play golf, you can overlook, you could see the skyline of Toronto on a clear day. It's the yeah. buildings are small, but you can see it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no, no questions asked. It's not that far as I think the term is as the crow flies. Right. So like an actual distance. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's I right. Think it's, I think it's like f- less than 40 miles. Something like that. Right over, right over the, uh, the lake there. Uh, Christina says, hey, guys, can you pass out any tips for training camp? We got tickets for two days and my boys are super excited. First of all, Christina. Congratulations on you. I've heard way too many people trying to get tickets who can't get tickets. By the way, if you got free tickets and you're selling them, boo on you. Shame on you. Don't do that. If you got tickets and you intend on not going, if you can't go, give them to somebody who wants tickets. There's a lot of people out there who need tickets, who tried to get tickets, who can't get tickets. Don't sell them. That's just, I I think it, it, it's a really bad look and horrible, Matt. So don't do that. That's my first tip. Yeah. That's not Christina. That's for anybody. Whew. Tips. That's an interesting one. I would say, that if you're going with kids, you want to be a little bit strategic about where you're going because you're probably going to want, you know, the kids to either get to see the players up close or try and get mm-hmm. autographs or something like that. So I always think that the most of the time they practice on the grass field, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, the main grass field. I think that players tend to hang out on the side of the grandstand. The, the that side more than they hang out on the side of the track. I think you get a better view of practice from the track, but I yes. think you get closer to the players on the other side. So if you are going, yes. you can kind of accommodate accordingly. If you're there because you want to watch practice, you want to get a better view of things, and you're really not concerned about trying to get an autograph or something, I would go to the track side, the far side. If you're trying to, you know, meet your favorite Bills player, then I would go to the side that has... I don't know. Is grandstand the right well, word? Like the big, yeah, yeah, with the bleachers, thing. yeah. But, but I, I would say that too. My, my tip is exactly that. My tip is if to get a better view of practice, go to the opposite side, go to the open side, go to the side where there's not the big bleachers. You'll see practice better. The, and you'll, I mean, you might not be as high, but you'll also have more room to walk around too. You can't really walk around on the other side. You have to go around mm-hmm. the bleachers. So that's my tip. If anybody's going to training camp to want to do that. Now, obviously, I'm saying this, it could wind up filling up more. But seriously, that's what you want to do. And also, I mean. You know, the Bills store is so big. They put right there um, on on campus. You know, go in there early, get your stuff done. I think you don't want to be caught up missing practice because practice goes for an hour and 45 minutes, but you can. But I mean, like, get your stuff done. Either do it before or do it after, right? Because you're going to get caught up in there. And if you're with kids, they're going to want to spend time in there and see all the different merchandise and jerseys and things like that. So um, there's a lot of really cool things out in the parking lot area for kids to do, though. Take advantage of it. That's another tip. Like, just have fun. Take advantage. You won't have... We don't know when training camp's ever going to stop being at St. John Fisher. And they're only there for 10 practices for the public this time. I walked to the parking lot with all the games so many. So last year, we found out that we were having 
our daughter. We didn't know it was a daughter. We just we found out we were having our baby in late July, like a week before Bill's training camp started. And I remember walking through the parking lot with all the little kids there and being like, this would be so cool one day to bring our son or daughter to go experience that and, you know, throw the little football through the inflatable Sammy Watkins that hasn't been removed or the little putt putt that's in the front. And so, yeah, take advantage of that. I also think you're only a mile, mile and a half away from Pittsburgh dairy, which is an awesome spot for ice cream. So if you want to make a day out of it, you know, Ice cream can be a bit more affordable than going and sitting down and having a big meal somewhere. So you can go, you could go watch Bill's practice, go grab an ice cream. And then if you're in Rochester, you go home, or if you're in Buffalo, then hop in the car and drive the hour 15 minutes back. Before we head on out of here, not as much of a question, but just something I want to touch on. Two really cool storylines over the weekend from the Buffalo Bills related. And one of them has been a continuing storyline. Damar Hamlin had his Chasing M's Foundation charity Mm -hmm. softball game in Pittsburgh. Really cool to see that. Stefan Diggs was there. Some other players were there. Very cool. And the other one, Matt, how about Jessica Pagula? In the quarterfinals at Wimbledon, I read she is only the fifth American to ever get to the quarterfinals of every major, all four of them, in the last 25 years. Yeah, and do you know who the other ones are? Um, Who... I'd say, no, I don't. I don't know who the other ones are. I don't want to guess because if I do, I'll, you'll say, Sal, that's not an American or something no, like that. <laughs> there's, um, there's one that I forgot. So I saw this stat and I apologize for forgetting this, but I believe it is Venus Williams, uh-huh. Serena Williams, Jessica, Jessica Pagula, Sloan Stevens, and then somebody else who is a really, really, really accomplished women's tennis player. So she is an elite company. Amazing. Maybe, maybe this is the year that she can push it a couple rounds further. It would be really sweet to watch her go to a major final, like to the final of one of the majors. And of all of them, I, I played tennis in high school, but I don't pretend to be like a huge tennis fan or anything like that. To me, Wimbledon is the equivalent of the Masters. For the casual fan, Wimbledon is the biggest tournament. So it would be really cool to continue to see her go on this run. It's awesome. I hope it continues. She's 29 years old. Yeah. It's amazing. She's been way better later in her career than early, but she had some injuries, which is a big reason. Mm -hmm. But in that sport, to be 29 and playing at the level she is and getting better and ascending still, she's now the fourth-ranked player in the world right now. Yeah. That's just an amazing testament to how hard she's worked over the last several years. Yeah, absolutely. And – You know, she is a Buffalo native. I know that she did not spend her entire life in Buffalo, but I was thinking about this the other day when I was watching her play. She's a Buffalo native. You have Jonah Heim, who's having an unbelievable season as an all-star for a catcher. He's from Amherst. You know, Patrick Kane's name is still getting floated out there as far as free agents are concerned. Listen, guys, he's he's not joining the Sabres. I don't think that's happening. But he might be the best American hockey player ever when his career is done. And he's from South Buffalo. The tight end university thing is happening the other week. And Gronk is there. Another Western New York native. You go down, We're both on the board for the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame. And there are tons of incredible athletes from here. And not, not all of them are big household names like the guys we just mentioned. But it is cool to see all of the people we just talked about represent Western New York and on the national stage, on the biggest stages. No doubt about it. 
All right, so we are recording this on a Monday night. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Sunday night. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Sunday night at 9 p.m. I am one half into, and I'm going to go now. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to go watch the second half of a movie called Air. Have you watched Air yet? No. Where? What is it on? What street? Because I really want to watch it. Is it on like Hulu or Prime? I think it's Prime. I have to look. It's not Netflix. Hold on. When it came out in theaters, I had said that I wanted to go see it, and I just never had the chance to go see it. Ooh, that's exciting. Okay, well, then I'll have to watch that maybe. It is. So far, I'm an hour in, and I love it. And I will Uh tell you, I got got upset at my wife because she knows I don't like this, but she did it. She watched it without me. Like, she watched it on the plane ride to New York City. And I think finished on the way back. I'm like, what? What? You're watching it without me? You don't watch movies without me. You got to watch it with me. Anyway, so now I'm watching it with her. Can I end on one thing that's like really terrible to have to talk about, but I did want to mention it? Of course. And I think I know what it is, but go right ahead. And we didn't plan for this, but I, I appreciate you bringing it up. So, you know, the last month has been certainly very difficult for our family with my dad and the health issues that he's had. And then you see something like Eddie was going yeah. through and he passed away a couple of days ago. We're recording this on Sunday. For those of you who don't know, Eddie was a big Bills fan. His father documented his journey on social media and used it as a platform to try and inspire others and help others who are going through, you know, difficult battles of their own. And my heart just breaks for his family and for anybody who knew him. And now having a daughter of my own, I cannot imagine something happening to my child or anybody having to deal with that for their children. So I'm thinking of the family. I'm praying for the family. I know these days when people say thoughts and prayers, it's a little bit empty. It doesn't necessarily mean much. And I'm sorry, I don't have more to say, but I just, my heart breaks for that family. And I'm I'm thinking of all of them. Eddie Merrick is his name. Yep. His dad's name is Nick. You can find him on Twitter at Nick Merrick. Um, There's a GoFundMe page for the family to help out. Um, I know that um, I think Daryl and Janine Talley are involved with uh, some of the fundraising there. Mm -hmm. Some other people from Bill's Mafia. I'm glad that you brought him up. And I know it's been a few days, but, um, you know, Eddie and and the way that his family has handled this, his life, his journey, um, his end of life has been incredibly remarkable and strong. And I, I, I don't think I could have been as strong as they have been for everyone, for Eddie, especially in celebrating his life. You know, in social media, see, he's just an amazing uh, little boy. So, yeah, thank you for um, thank you for bringing that up. It's I, I just I can't even find the words. I can't. I don't even know how somebody could handle that or do that. Matt, um, we hope your dad is doing well. All of us, thank you. And you know, and I know that you got a lot of people out there who are you know thinking about him as well. So you know, we'll get an update about him next time we talk here. In the meantime, we want to thank Lucas Buckley, our producer who does a great job always here on it's always game day in Buffalo. Shout out Lucas. You can find Matt at Matt underscore Bove. He is WKBW TV channel seven. You can find me at Sal sports. Yeah, that's right. Twitter threads. We're all on it. Everything. Yeah. Follow us on threads. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Meantime, we have more planned for you here in the off season before training camp starts in about two weeks over at uh, St. John Fisher. It's going to be exciting. Thank what's you. What's your, what's yeah. your most oh. recent, how many threads followers you got? 1200. Ah, screw you, man. 
What do you I got? thought because I started it like a day before you that maybe I'd still have a little bit of a leg up on you because you got me not lapped on Twitter, not twice lapped on Twitter, probably like three times <laughs> lapping me on Twitter. And I, and there's I got a lot of people who follow me. Yours yeah. is just out of this world. I'm at so I was 165K like, oh. on Twitter. Uh, not that on threads yet, though? No, just a, just 1,200. What do you have on threads? Uh, it's like just under 1,000. You know what's ah. funny, though? I haven't yeah. followed anybody, but I want my first follow to be something funny. But I just haven't thought of what it could be yet. Like, I want if you look to look at my profile and it says, you know, this many followers following one, and then you click to see who the one person you're following is. Yeah. I would love for it to be something completely random and out there, like, like Cracker Barrel or something, or like <laughs> something ridiculous. And then you're like, why well, is he just following that one account? All right. So um, I, we, we went off a little bit here on at the end here, we we're going to go. But now that you brought it up, what's crazy is, on my Instagram, I only follow one account. That's WGR because I don't really get into Instagram. I have to have – I got to add my followers. I want to – I need to go to Instagram and start following people, and then I'll uh -huh. just have to transport over to threads. That's how it's got to work for me. Yeah, well, that's how it's going to work for a lot of people. So as you build this follower base, you know, maybe I can maybe I can sneak by you. And that, no, and and you'll be one of my first followers on Instagram and threads. So there you go. Thank you. I appreciate Thank, that. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll uh, talk at you next time. And it's always game day in Buffalo.